I'm not gonna. making a face like I can't hack for less than three hours. Are you, are you freaking <laughs> kidding me right now, dude? Like, yeah, yeah. you're telling me that you never, you very rarely hack for longer than three hour contiguous periods? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty. Oh my God. I get, How I get do so you tired. Even... Oh my God. <laughs> my, my eyes hurt, man. <laughs> up y'all before we hop into this episode today i just wanted to give a little bit of an introduction uh, we were graced by the magnificent presence of mr douglas day aka archangel on the episode today um joel and i know douglas from the live hacking event community where we have competed against him and collaborated with him uh many times so it was a pleasure to have him on the pod uh, Douglas is known for a couple things in the live hacking event community, the primary of which is his collaboration abilities. Douglas almost always collaborates with other hackers on the live hacking event scene, and he has taken home nine best collaboration awards over his time at the live hacking events. So a very impressive number. Um, he's also known specifically for his volume of reports that he submits. He finds a lot of bugs and has really dialed in radar for what is a bug and what's not a bug to a company. Um, and he also has a lot of, I guess he has a very methodical approach to bug bounty. He has a lot of methods, techniques that he uses um, that work really well for him and get good results. So for those of you that are a little bit more method oriented, I think this will be a great episode for you. Uh, all right, I think that's it. So without further ado, Enjoy the episode. Boom, we're rolling. Douglas, welcome to the pod, man. Thanks, good to be here. Um, so I guess we'll start out today. We've got to, got to warm up, got to warm up our, our podcasting voices, our podcasting <laughs> element. Um, I'll work on my radio me, voice. Yeah, this guy's got it already. Let's, uh, let's, let's start off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into InfoSec and how you get, eventually you got into book bounties because right now you're you're on the program side as well as on the hacker side right yeah, more or less yeah i uh i spend less time on the program side these days um however mm. i am associated with a with the elastic program so uh, although i'm nice. i'm less and less active as uh, as the days go on is your role just shifting with that or is it yeah yeah i do i do a lot more uh, infrastructure side security so uh working on like terraform kubernetes um Sort of running our infosec uh, infrastructure, and I passed on the uh, the bug bounty to our product security team. So, but we can get into that uh, a bit later. Yeah. So, so tell me about how you landed this uh, this position at, at Elastic, and sure. kind of work back in your infosec history. Yeah, I'll, I'll work backwards. That's probably a good way to go. So, uh, back in 2020, I was the number one hacker on the Elastic bug bounty program. It was a very small program then. I think we were offering like 1k crits. Um, mm. And for a very complicated tech stack like Elastic, uh, that's uh, pretty suboptimal. Um, but I was the number one hacker nonetheless. Um, and then around uh, the turn of the turn of the new year, they're looking for someone to run the bug bounty program, and they thought, why not take uh, our number one hacker and have him build up the program? So I applied, uh, threw in my hat to the uh, to the application process, and uh, and landed the job, and then built out the built out the bug bounty program over Elastic. Uh, launched about two years later, um, and I think we had like the sixth most uh, active uh, bug bounty launch on the HackerOne platform 
Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, we saw a, we had a very, very wide scope to start. And so we saw a lot of submissions, um, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty successful launch. Um, but then moving backwards, uh, this was, goodness, this is 2020, like the, the dawn of 2020. And I started mm. my bug bounty career. The year of, it, the year of darkness. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, the year that everything changed. <laughs> right. I know, right? Um, but, so I, but I started bug bounty about two years before that uh, in October of, or I guess about, about a year and a half before that, in October of uh, 2018. Nice. I'd gone to... Um, I'd gone to B-Sides Portland, in which uh, Ben Sadikapur and the Homsec was running a, a um, uh, what do you call it, a presentation at, at B-Sides. And I was like, oh, hey, that looks that's, looks pretty fun. I started my uh, HackerOne account um, that evening, and they got my first bounty about two wow. months later. Dude, so, yeah. so Ben is Ben is a part of your origin story, huh? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, he you is. You met him so, right off the bat at that, at, that, at that conference, and that's how you weaseled your way into Bug Bounty? Yeah, yeah, and so it was kind of a, it was pretty slow, slow at the start. Um, I didn't expect to be part of like the, the community like I am today. I didn't expect to ever be uh, participating in live events. Um, but about a year after I started, I created my account. I remember getting my very first live hacking event invite. I was, I was at the gym. I was about to start a workout in the morning oh, over at Twenty Four Hour <laughs> Fitness, and I get like an email. It's like, and this is like, shoot, this is like mid July, and so like the. Uh, I, I was definitely a last minute addition. Like I didn't, I didn't try to get an invite or anything. I think mm. somebody dropped. And so I got a 702 invite for, uh, for 2019, nice, uh, dude. for 2019 Vegas. Wow. And I was like, Oh, what is this? You know, what is, what is live hacking event? What is the <laughs> window? I don't know. Um, so I, I showed up and, and I remember, I think I was talking to you. Uh, so I show up and not knowing what to expect. Um, very first live event. I think I, I mistakenly didn't realize the value of the dupe window. And so I spent maybe like two hours in the dupe window hacking and then thought oh, I would no. do all my, um, yeah, I thought I'd do all <laughs> oh, my no. hacking at the, yeah, at the, at the event itself. Okay, okay. But, so for, for those of you that aren't familiar with live hacking event structure, so typically how it works, there's a, uh, before the live hacking event, there is a, uh, a window, you know, normally something like a week and a half, two weeks, maybe sometimes of um, period where you can, where everyone's hacking on the target, everyone knows the scope, everyone knows the policy, everything like that. Um, but during that period, if you find any bugs that anyone else has, has found and you submit them, then those dupes get split. So what Douglas is saying here is that he didn't hack at all during this period where he was supposed to be hacking and prepping. Uh -huh. um, and because of that, he probably lost himself the opportunity to uh, get in on a bunch of bugs that he would have otherwise found and split those, you know, some of those low hanging fruits that other, uh, other hackers will find get split the bounties on those. Is that, does that, did I, did I summarize that well enough? Yeah. 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 That's pretty, that's pretty accurate. So I came into the deep window with like one event and I remember, I remember showing up to the, to the welcome party. I think it was at top golf that year. And, mm -hmm. um, Dude, I was like, no, that was, I missed, I wanted to go to that so bad. Oh, I, no, I, that's I, too bad. So I was flying in and I was on the plane and then a, like a sandstorm hit and it had to defer to a different airport and I missed your wow. first live hacking event, you know. Sandstorm. <laughs> oh, yeah. crazy. So sad. Yeah. But so, but so I'm there and I'm like talking with other people. That I have was... no idea who these, who these people are by their face, but I think like, mm -hmm. I think like Pierre Luke, uh, you know, a Ram Sexy like came up mm -hmm. to me and he's like, so, so who are you? And I, uh, you know, I told him who I was and he like looked at my profile and he, and he even asked, he's like, so how did you get invited to this? No. <laughs> I, I, not, not, that, not that, not that he was being mean or anything, but like I no. had no connect. I wasn't the plus one. I didn't mm -hmm. know, I didn't know anybody else. And I was kind of like a, 
a nobody like hacker i was kind of a, i don't i have no idea how i got invited i would just say like a random last minute edition and so, mm-hmm. so I, I knew no one um but i had a had a great time at the event learned okay you actually use the dupe window to to hack but uh most importantly i made a couple of, of good connections uh who then plus one to me to the los angeles event uh, a couple months later and then after that i've sort of been on the been on the live event train for the last four years or three nice. years four, four nice. years yeah yeah man wow. it's it, it's a ride man it really is um so i mean you you got you went to that los angeles live hacking event and is that when the sort of collaboration train started you know from yes. from those connections you made and then you started collaborating every single event because that's i mean that's your go-to yep. mo now right yeah 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 exactly so so i was a plus one um and give you know given this was my se- so the la event was my very second event i still wasn't exactly sure how they were supposed to work um and so i i was a uh, hogarth 45's plus one to that event um mm. yeah. and i was like Hey, I, since I'm a plus one, I assumed that since I was plus one, we'd have to team up. And so and he was he was chill with it. And then uh, I don't remember why, but we wanted to have like a, a more like a bigger team. And so I think we grabbed we grabbed Rem Sexy and we grabbed uh, Mr. Tux Racer mm. uh, for our for Great our hackers. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we just kind of went ham. I think it was Air Force that time. Mm. Um, uh, it was yeah, Air, Air Force and Verizon Media. And we just went went ham on them. And we were we were a bit salty because this was before the best collaboration award was a thing. I think they started mm. it the, like the following event or the event after. And so we yeah. like obliterated as a team um, and would have, would have gotten the, the best team award at that uh, award existed at the time. But, uh, but no, it was a, it was a, it was a great event. We, you know, we, we did really well. And then subsequent events, I've just kind of gotten invited uh, uh, over and over again, fortunately. And, um, yeah, I had such a fun time, um, just kind of collabing, uh, during the, during the dupe window this time, uh, you know, hopping on video calls, uh, sharing ideas, just kind of hanging out, talking about life or whatever with, with the guys. And, uh, I've just kind of haven't, haven't gone back. Um, that's kind of how I've done most, most subsequent events. I've had a number of events, like one or two where I wasn't really, I didn't, I think some of the virtual ones where I didn't, I didn't collab as much. Um, but for, for every event that I've been to in person, I've, I for sure tried to, tried to team up with, with one to four other hackers, I suppose. Yeah. I think it's always, it's really interesting to see how collabing has changed over the years in live hacking events. I think in the beginning, like there was very little collaboration that was done and it was very like, only like tightly knit groups of people or like people who like were used to hacking with each other. And now I feel like everybody collabs with everybody. Like there's a lot more knowledge sharing and a lot more like open collaboration, that kind of stuff nowadays. Um, there, but, there is. Yeah. Yeah. When, so when you're collaborating, would you say it's mostly like the same people or do you split it up or. I think say more, more or less the same people. I, I guess I just like collabing with people that I, that I know and that I'm, that I'm already friends with. Uh, every once in a while, like I'll want to collab with someone, but they'll also want to collab with someone else. And so we'll bring them in. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that person becomes a, becomes a friend of mine, but I've got a number of regulars, like uh, all the, all the French Canadians, almost all the French Canadians I've collabed with, like I've collabed with DC, I've collabed with uh, Pierre Luc, I've collabed with uh, Sebastian, I've collabed with, mm-hmm. uh, J, uh, J Rock 17 now. Um, so a bunch of French Canadians. I've collabed with Alex Chapman a lot. I've collabed with Res Zero a lot. Um, Space Raccoon. Um, Corvax, even. 
Um, so there's been a, a number of a number of uh, hackers that I've, I've kind of worked. Oh, today's news been a been a common mm-hmm. a common thread. Um, Hussein. I mean, I could go on and on yeah. more yeah. more I think about it. Well, at the at the most recent live hacking events, I've kind of seen you with the group with of Rezo and and Alex Chapman. And, uh, and that, that seems to be a pretty, a pretty functional group that you guys have, have held across a couple live hacking events. And I, I noticed, you know, one of the, one of the main problems that I have with collaboration, because, um, both, both, um, Joel and I, uh, were a part of disturbance, right. Which was a, a giant hacking team, uh, that we had going on for a little while. But, um, you know, kind of the ways that the way that we saw that or the way that it worked, worked out was, you know, there was so much variation in how everyone would perform at the live hacking events. Right. So if you if you if you performed well, then you then you were losing money a lot of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you performed poorly, you were feeling like you were dragging your friends down. Right. right. So the only times that it, you know, so those are both both negative outcomes for for me. This is this mm-hmm. is why I rarely collab at live hacking events anymore. Beyond yeah. you know, or at least not full split collabs. Um, and, and in the only scenario when it really works out well, if for for me is when we both add equal value and it just kind of edges out and you know we both have have fun with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and Joel and I were able to pull that off a live hacking event, uh, you know, er- earlier this year, um, yeah. and that was great. But um. So my question to you is like, how do you deal with the, that up and down of collaboration, and how do you how do you communicate with your your long term collaboration partners to make that work? Yeah, so I, I should purpose this by saying I've been to a lot of events. I think that if if a live event was something that I knew was going, only going to happen once, then I'd have a yeah. lot more to lose. Um, but goodness, after fifteen live events, I've been the the under contributor on some I've been the over contributor on some and there have been some where it's been kind of been kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, the sting of under contributing and the sting of losing money because you were an over contributor, they, they both sting less than the sting of showing up to an event by yourself empty handed. And so mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I think uh, collabing and guaranteeing, like decent success because you've, you've got a solid team, even if you might under contribute and feel like, a, uh, you know, a bozo or you over contribute mm-hmm. and feel like you lost some money. Um, in the end, it's basically guaranteeing, you know, it, it's, it's, I guess, uh, hedging your risks. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of like diversifying your, your bug bounty portfolio in a way. Um, and so over the course of many events, I think it, it kind of averages out. If you have a, if you have somebody who's like consistently underachieving, whether because they, they maybe aren't up to skill with live hacking events or are just not, uh, trying, then you can kind of like start to see those out over the course of time. But I don't know, like the, the amount of fun I have with, with bug bounty events and the, the value I get just being a part of the community is, is worth the, you know, couple of live events where you maybe I, I lose like, you know, a few thousand dollars due to just over contributing where it's like, and I think another part of it is it's really, really hard honest, to, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's really hard to quantify the value, like the, it's really hard to quantify the value that collaboration brings. Cause there's been a number of times where I've been collabing with someone who didn't submit, who th- themselves didn't submit a lot of bugs, but I, all of my bugs were because of a, something that they that they sent in discord or, or slack or whatever you know maybe right, they were right. like looking 
maybe they're looking at some domain that I didn't realize was in scope. And then because they are looking at that domain, I found a link to another domain, which was super vulnerable. And I submitted mm-hmm. tons of bugs on that. And it's like, okay, I'm the one that's, that found all these bugs, but would I have found it? I don't know. Um, and so it's, yeah. it, it's real hard to quantify like how much just being a part of the, of the collaboration process uh, adds to the, adds to the team. And so maybe, yeah. maybe I'll figure out a way to, to add a dollar value to it, but I haven't reached that point yet. Yeah, I've, I've, I've really noticed that a lot with like, so when, when events first went virtual um, after in, in person, it was very difficult, I feel like, at least for me, to like try and get that sense of like collaboration that you get at events. And I think a lot oh, of yeah. it boils down to what you were talking about there where it's not so much like that person submitted so many bugs or whatever. It's that the combined brain power of, of the people in the room is working towards like a singular goal and so if you have five people looking at the same thing there's so much so many more minds and threads thinking about that bug and how to be creative with it mm-hmm. at the same time that make it so much easier to find impactful vulnerabilities when you're working as a yep. group um absolutely and there's not an easy way to like measure that right like you said like just because they didn't submit a vulnerability doesn't mean that they didn't contribute significantly to that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Just if you know yeah. they're a collaborator on it, whatever that that doesn't really get accounted for super well. Um, and so I think like that whole aspect of it is very interesting. I'm curious, especially it seems like a lot of the people you work with are not people who are local to you. So are there certain mm-hmm. things that you do when you're collaborating to help aid with that collaboration? I know for Justin and I it was very very helpful for us to basically just be in a call all day like all day every day while we were hacking together 12 hour hour discord call (laughs) yeah and that basically like created sort of that same environment where you're like next to each other kind of you're all Mm. you're like both looking at the same thing you're you know both your minds are working on the same thing together that that type of stuff do you have any tricks that you use yeah so i i also do video calls uh, video calls or audio calls and it's it's so nice just to um set one up even if you're not talking that whole time just to be like oh wait i think i found something and then the other person kind of sidetrack what they're working on and help you just decide whether or not it's a it's like a true positive or a false positive and sometimes it's not and you just go back to working but just having having that sort of desk buddy um just on the other side of the screen is is super super helpful um Mm. and that's been that's been where we've found some of our some of our coolest our coolest bugs when we were just uh working together on a zoom call and then someone found something that was interesting and then we all just kind of dogpiled on it and then boom uh so so i think i I may sound a little bit like a negative nancy with collaboration like i love (laughs) collaboration i really do but here's the other thing with that right like and i don't always mean to be bringing up the cons but here you know i I gotta do it so like in, in those situations joel and i um we were pair hacking pretty much uh, mm-hmm. during this live hacking event by the nature of what the target was and the way we were doing it. So we, we it wasn't the two of us going down and and looking at, you know, different routes and, and that sort of thing and then comparing notes. It was both of us looking at one screen saying, okay, what if we did this? What if we did that? You know, that sort of thing. And it worked out great. The, but in the past, I've done the route that you guys sort of just described of like, both being on a video call, working on your own things, and then pulling people in when you need them. And it really, I guess it just depends on the person, right? But like, sometimes you get that person that's like, hey, look at this, every like five minutes, right? And it's like, uh, like, I can't think because I, as soon as I get in my flow state, you know, it's, I, I can't, you know, 
I get pulled out and pulled into something else. So I feel like I'm I'm more becoming like a, a support hacker rather than you know somebody who's trying to find his own his own bug. So I mean I guess I don't know if I want to put you on the spot and say like have you ever experienced that with you know the people you've collaborated with? But what, what what's your thoughts on the way we could deal with that collaboration little mishap? Yeah. So it, I mean that does happen to me. I think mm -hmm. I um, I don't think either way is is wrong or right i think that i've i've been in there have been times where i've been like in a flow state mm -hmm. and like maybe like res zero has been been just mm -hmm. kind of like taking a more like wide scope and be like oh mm -hmm. this thing's interesting and you know just slaps mm -hmm. in like a fuzz or a buff result into discord you know yeah. something that's not even an application but might look mm -hmm. interesting and i'll be like okay i'll i'll just have to be like okay i want to you know mute i want to hop off the call for for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, mm, whatever, mm. while I, while I dig into this or and he, he, I guess we've, we've worked together enough that he can kind of know when mm. I'm in a, like I'm, I'm focused on a, on a bug and uh, maybe, maybe it's mm. just kind of having that, having that relationship where mm. he, he doesn't take offense if I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to focus on this. Um, and then he'll, he'll usually be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you focus on that. I'll, I'll, I'll dig it. I'll dig deeper. And yeah, uh, no, it hasn't, I, I could see it, I could see it being coming like a, a problem if I was working with someone I hadn't worked with before and I didn't mm. have that rapport and respect mm. to be able to kindly but but uh, reasonably be like I need to I need to focus for yeah. for a few minutes. It sounds like good. It sounds like good boundaries, you know, in hacking, right? You know, you're saying, okay, you know what? At, at the end of the day. I think this is counterproductive right now. So I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to mute this channel for five minutes, you know, while everyone's doing the recon dump or, or mm -hmm. I'm going to hop off this call and just like put on some, you know, whatever alpha neural beats or whatever those are that like makes your brain go into focus mode and that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, you can, you can make it happen as long as you're communicating well with your, with your collaborators. So yep. I don't know, man, maybe I just wasn't, maybe I just wasn't you know, my communication game wasn't on fleek in the past. <laughs> well, I, I, again, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. I'm actually entertaining the idea of trying the next several events, uh, just solo to see, mm. to see what I can do. Cause I think there's, there's several ways to do collab. There's the collab that, that I do and that I usually do, which is just, you know, full on team collab, split mm. everything. We're just going to act as a, act as a unit. Um, but then there's, uh, people like, um, like I think the the way you sort of do collab and the way like Nagley might do collab mm -hmm. is you know go solo and then if you ha if you need help on a specific thing pull in somebody yeah. um, and that's yeah. that's potentially a way to go. There's also hackers like um, I can't think of anybody in particular that are just you know radio silent and no one knows what they're yeah. hacking on and then they come to the event with you know forty criticals and you're like where yeah. were you where where were you hacking this whole this whole event yeah. so maybe that maybe that's a fun way to try out i don't know i'm not i'm not uh i know i've kind of got this uh this uh uh reputation of being you know a, a full team collaborator but i'm mm. i'm open to trying other other things and i might i might do something new this year so for this, mm. this upcoming year so we'll see yeah yeah, I mean, it's really it's really interesting to hear like both sides, but I think I think for Justin especially, it's a little bit different because you do this like full time for your main income, like this is your mm -hmm. full time living, and so right. the whole money splitting aspect is a little bit different. And I think yeah. what I've found over the years of doing collaboration is one of the best ways you can do collaborations just be explicit about whether or not you're working together on something. Like it's fine to work in the same space and like mm. bounce ideas off each other or throw interesting things in the chat, but if somebody like dives into a hole, like, you know, 
unless as I they're, do. Uh, yeah, unless they're asking <laughs> for help, like, yeah, you can maybe insert yourself in there, but unless they're like kind of like uh, it's open ended, like, you know, that's kind of their book, right? And then mm -hmm. on the other side of it, it's like you can ask, you can be like, hey, do you want to dive in on this together? Like, this mm -hmm. is pretty interesting. Come take a look at this. And yep. like, then you, you know, I think that's fair game for you guys to like count that as like working together on something. But otherwise, I think there is still like that sense of, um, like working together. There's like a whole concept of this for ADHD where I think it's, I forget what it's called specifically, but it's like buddy, like working with a buddy and just like simply the, the presence of someone else doing work mm. at the same time as you are helps you be more productive because yeah. you feel like you're like doing stuff together and like there's more judgment if you're like not on task and all that kind of stuff. And so that aspect of literally just like being in a video call, even if you're not working together, I think adds a lot to the productivity and the ability to like work together and have those collaboration moments, even if you're not explicitly working together all the time on everything. Mm. Yeah, I, I can totally, I can totally see that. And I, I do want to sort of plus one what you said about, I think it depends on your, on, on your stage of life and what you're like, how you treat bug bounty. Like for me as somebody with a, with a full-time job, like bug bounty money is kind of like monopoly money at this point. It just feels like prizes and it's cool. Mm, Whereas right. if it was, if it was what I was buying my groceries with or buying, you know, my podcasting equipment with, then <laughs> it would feel, it would feel, uh, I would probably be much more conscientious of how it was, how it was split and spent. Yeah. 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 And and because of that, you know, when, when I've done collabs in the past, I've been like, hey, especially with hackers I respect like Joel, I've been like, hey, you know, I'd like to collab. I'd even potentially be down to do a, a full split collab. Um, but we have to be putting in similar time investments because right. if I'm putting in 50, 60 hours a week and, and, you know, you're putting in 15 to 20 because you've got a full time job. Right. And I'm not going to blame you for not right. putting in 50, 60 hours a week when you got a full time job. Um, you know, then, then that's going to not, that's not going to even out very well. Right. Um, and so uh, I've always just kind of been explicit with people and, 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 and I do like the approach as well of like, of like having <clears throat> here, I, here I am again, bringing the negative Nancy shit up, but uh, you know, the, like the chat where you like throw interesting stuff in and stuff like that. But, but here's the problem with that for me, right. Is that, let's say I find, I find, uh, a, an endpoint and I fully exploit that endpoint. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I had like maybe dropped it in the chat, but no one's around and then they hadn't, they hadn't seen it. And then I, I go back and I was like, Oh, I, you know, I fully exploited it. Right. But then that time somebody else, somebody else on the team had seen it. And, and now I, if I, I'm sort of, you know, they say, okay, how did that go? And it's like, Oh, I, I popped it. I'm good. You know, right now I've sort of robbed them of the opportunity. Yep to to exploit that endpoint had they found it themselves right so this information trading thing is really 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 tricky right yeah. and, yep. and like like you said you know you don't have to be when you're doing this for fun right which some of us are even though it's big dollars you know yeah. uh it, it's not as intense right but when you're doing this professionally and you're you know a professional live hacking event competitor right mm -hmm. then um these things get a little bit dicier um, yep. So, I mean, what, what, what do you guys think about that? Do you think I'm being a little too uptight about that or what? No, I mean, the, I, it's, I, it's really case by case, right? Like there are, there are, there are so many cases like edge cases that are really difficult. And I think just having good communication in those moments and just like mm -hmm. being like, ha the conversation is not going to be 
necessarily fun because it's like mm-hmm. a, kind of about money and it's a little bit sensitive and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I think just being upfront and honest and like trying to meet in the middle somewhere, like wherever it makes sense, not necessarily in the middle, but wherever it makes mm-hmm. sense, then I think that that's, you know, just going with best intent. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What? Was? So a bit, a bit tangential, but one thing that I've found that works outside of the context of live events is um, so is doing um, like scope splitting. So to give you an example, a couple of months back, um, I was in a private uh, hacker one challenge for the Department of Defense uh, with uh, Res Zero, and I had been going really, really hard. I got invited like a couple of days before he did, and I got I had been going really hard on one particular application. Um, out of this, out of the entire scope. And he joins and we want to collab together. And I'm like, look, man, I already tore, you know, asset A up entirely. I'm happy to collab with you. You know, you've already started working on asset B. I'm happy to collaborate with you. How about we just, you stay off of asset A, I'll stay off of asset B because you're already starting to go down that train. And then everything else we split. Um, and it, mm. it ends up working uh, pretty well. Like I felt like I was able to, you know, tear up my, uh, my scope item that I, that I had already gone very deep on and I got to, I got to know, and then he was able to, to do the same with kind of some of, some of his, uh, uh, some, uh, some of his scope, although he got mm. a bit of a later start than I did. And then mm. we split everything else and it was very lucrative for, uh, for both of us. Um, and that I, saves him time too, because he's not going and duping at you on asset. Yes, yes, yeah. When we're not in the live hacking event scene, the, the collaboration thing is very different because at the end of the day, whoever submits the report gets the, gets the bounty, yep. you know? Yeah. And, and so, uh, in the, in those sort of situations, it's, it's a little bit easier, but the, 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 the split, the split scope thing, I think is, I, I think that's a, that's a good shot. And I think it can definitely work in some scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Okay. That's collabing. I feel like we've we've covered that. No, so I did want. Joel, <laughs> on, no, 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 you can't I, just pull me off. I, I, I got, I got, I got questions for days. But, I, all right, I know, fine, I know. Ahead, but if ahead. I let you, if I let you keep going, we're gonna spend an hour talking about collabing. So <laughs> we do, we do want to talk to, to Douglas about a couple other things. And, <laughs> okay. And one of right. those things is this tweet thread that you did. I think this is oh, yeah. just uh, March or May, right? Mm. May of this year. Yeah, this yeah, is great. Yeah, yeah, I think so I you had this. Yeah, yeah. It was called um, 100 Very Short Bug Bounty Rules. And it's basically just a thread. I don't know if this was a brain dump or if you had pre-planned this. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you came up with this. But I think it's a great concept. And it was basically just like a list of 100 things um, that you should sort of probably be doing when you're doing bug bounty. And these are these range from little tidbits of you should use Burp Suite Pro to... Um, really in-depth stuff like so why why don't you walk us through a little bit about what sort of spurred you to to do this and what the process was like and all that so kind of a kind of a funny story there so i uh i'm a fan of of this uh the stoic author ryan holiday i've been been reading his stuff for for a few years and he had put out this like 100 very short you know stoic rules for life and it was Mm. it was a great thread um i like i think i liked it retweeted it or whatever um and then uh Res Zero Joseph decided, like, I guess he follows him as well, and then made some like, uh, like a mirror tweet. And it was like ten very short bug bounty rules, and I was so like what frustrated. 
that yeah that he only did 10, 10. only 10 and i'm like, I'm like come, come on if you're going to copy something like as beautiful as this it it needs to be done like the right way and so like out of spite i was just like no i'm gonna do 100 just to show you that it can be done and so i think i spent like i didn't use like chat gpt or anything i just spent probably like 90 minutes um in the oh. like late afternoon wow. just like typing like typing them up as fast as i could mm-hmm. and i tried to i tried to have a mix of like more like philosophical behavioral like tips as well as technical like technical tips because not everyone wants just to have your uh you know don't stop trying or uh if you're having a hard time just take a break you know that's kind of that kind of gets tried yeah. and, and exhausting um but also you know coming up with a hundred uh uh technical like bug bounty tips would be extremely difficult uh also, my AirPods are, are going to die soon, so I might have to switch to my MacBook speakers or MacBook You're Mac. Good. If that's the if that's the case, we can we can cut the audio and reset it back up. But I I really enjoyed this this whole long tweet, and I appreciate also that you did a hundred of them because mm-hmm. like I don't know I I'm not, I haven't done much content creating before I started this podcast, and then I, I've started doing some content stuff since then. Um, it's freaking hard, my dude. It is very challenging to like come up with all the content and stuff like that you need to, you know, to run a successful, you know, to do a good tweet that that gets good takeoff with the community and stuff like that. So I definitely appreciate this. And and uh, but, you know, I had a couple questions about sure. some of these that I yeah. and that I wanted to kind of dive into. OK, yes, so, let's do it. All right. So number one, starting off right at the very beginning, it's a very good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um you say spend at least 30 minutes on a new target. Okay. Yep. Um, and then you say later, later on, give yourself a no bug time. This is on uh, item number 15. Give <clears> yourself <throat> a no bug time limit. I do three hours. So yep. um, for, for me, I'm one of those people that it takes me a little bit more time to start finding bugs on a, on a, an application normally. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm wondering how you reconcile these two and what that first 30 minutes looks like versus the, the first three hours. Yep. Yeah. So the first 30 minutes, I kind of go into this on my Nahomsic talk, but I basically go, assuming it's a SaaS application, which is where I spend most of my time, I go straight to user management and I look, okay, how many different types of users are there? Is there like just like two? If, if that's the case, then there's probably not going to be as many bugs that, that sort mm-hmm. of fit my, my flavor. Um, or are there, uh, uh, you know, three custom roles where you can like make a, have like an entire like matrix of okay this user you can give them this permission but not this permission and then you can have an admin role that has every single permission except for this permission and then uh just like the more complicated the the role structure the the more confident i'm going to be that there's going to be bugs so first 30 minutes go straight to user management and especially like the, the user invite uh flow because that's where i find most of my criticals um mm. and and higher higher severity bugs like if i can if I can invite myself to someone else's organization, okay, it's like instant critical. If I can mm-hmm. invite myself, uh, if I can like invite myself as another user, but who has higher permissions, it's like okay, that's a, that's at least a high. So, um, a lot of your a lot of your methodology, and I believe I even saw it in that tweet, but a lot of your methodology is built around uh, this whole piece of user auth matrices and like mm-hmm. you know organization and stuff like that. And, and I think that's really good. And I think that's awesome to have a bread and butter like that. And certainly I, I think in the last live hacking event, I guess the last one that I really participated in, um, in London, you know, I saw your, some of your brilliance with that, right. With your, the way you get the apps fully configured and, and the way you kind of come up with these really crazy attack scenarios. And I really appreciated that, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering how you approach 
how you approach applications that don't have this. So in that first 30 minutes, would you say, if you came to an application that doesn't have user roles and stuff like that, are you moving along to and checking all the other targets before you come back? Well, pro probably. I think it, mm, it also okay. depends on how like, complex the application is. I think my other sort of uh, type of bug is um, like business logic errors. And so maybe mm. it's an application where uh, there's going to be a lot, lots of bugs having to do with just bypassing logic that the that's very unique to that application. Maybe mm. it's a, uh, for example, I think you tweeted about this not too long ago. Maybe it's an application that has lots of like levels of subscriptions, and so that's mm -hmm. lots of opportunities for paywall bypasses, right? Yeah. Like if if you can buy, if you can make a like a business level subscription, which gives you access to features ABC, but then also an enterprise level uh, application, which gives you access to you know features XYZ. Then I try to okay as a as a free trial, can I get access to business level? As a business level, can I get access to enterprise level features? Um, and then oftentimes, if the program is very good, every single feature that I can that I can get access to is a is a separate bug. Um, especially mm -hmm. if I can find one that. Uh, where the paywall is actually enforced, because then I have evidence that um, that it wouldn't be a single fix. Like for example, if if I can, uh, if as a business level user I can't get access to enterprise feature X, but I can get access to enterprise features Y and Z, mm -hmm. it's like okay, uh, Y and Z are going to be separate bugs because if they're the same sure. bug, then I wouldn't be able to. Then I would, should also be able to get access to X, access but X. I can't. Yeah. Nice. So I yeah, so like business logic and um or yeah yeah business logic bugs are kind of my second go to after after user uh, authorization bugs. Nice. That, that's really cool. So we I mean I don't want to go through like all of these, so maybe this is a good time to talk a little bit about methodology since we're kind of already on that on that route. So can mm -hmm. you walk us through sort of how you approach a new target cuz you're always hacking? And mm. like it, I think it's really impressive to see how quickly you hop onto a programmer and are able to just like find bugs and navigate it and get it yeah. mapped out super quickly. So mm -hmm. how, what's sort of, what's your approach? Like what's your general approach look like? Yeah. So one of, one of my secrets is that I actually spend a lot of time on very small programs. Um, I think it's kind of, there's a lot of hackers that go after those really, really big ones like, like Shopify or, uh, mm -hmm or I'm trying to think of public programs that I can talk about, uh, PayPal, um, uh, GitHub, uh, you know, these, these large programs that pay very large, large criticals and large mediums and large highs. Um, but I'll, I'd say maybe like over 50% of my bugs are on programs that offer like $500 mediums and a thousand dollar highs. And I just wow. find, I just find a lot of them and I kind of churn through, churn through smaller programs. And every once in a while I'll find a, a really good program that's that's very high paying and i'll spend a long time there um to kind of become a an anchor hacker there uh, but i've got a i think i think if you look i think hacker one has the ability to show you your average bounty mm. and like my average my average bounty is like only like 700 dollars uh, mm. and so i submit a lot of a lot of 500 mediums and a lot of 1000 highs um mm. and so and those are over the like over a huge spread of of, of programs you know i'm not like I, I think I was talking to to um, to some hackers uh, a while back, and they're like, "Yeah, I, I've probably submitted bugs to you know thirty or so different programs." I'm like I think I'm 
like close to like two or 300 different programs that I've, I've submitted bugs to. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's just nuts. <laughs> because I just, I just spend time on the, on the small ones and I just kind of like churn through those, <laughs> submit one or two and, uh, and move on. So maybe, um, maybe I'm taking the, the quick and easy route, but it's, uh, it's been working well. Wow. Super interesting. That's, that's really cool. So I guess that, you know, with moving so quickly, you know, you've got this, <clears throat> this three hour time limit, you get to the end of that three hours. Let's say you haven't found anything. Is that a hard stop for you normally? Or you usually, and I'd say three hours and in my tweet, wow. I said, that's I said crazy. three hours in my, in my tweet. I said three hours. If it's a smaller program and a smaller scope, it's not going to be three hours. You know, if it's a WordPress site, I'm not going to spend three hours trying to break right, WordPress course. site. Yeah. Um, but like on the most complicated application, yeah. If I get to if I get to three hours, I, I should I should backtrack and say outside of the context of a live event where I am being paid and asked to spend mm-hmm. uh, you know spend right. time on one particular program, it's mm-hmm. like okay, if uh if I get to three hours and I haven't found anything, I'm usually not going to to find something unless I you know put in another like ten. At that point, I finally might be able to start finding things, but. Like I said, I, I go through I go through a lot of a lot of small programs, and so if I haven't found anything after three hours, you know, I'd rather move on to a smaller program where I can find something in, you know, an hour. Um, and it just kind wow. of keeps me motivated. That that's that's absolutely crazy to me, man. Like I spend so much more time on on an actual like target before I move along. If I don't, I probably will spend twenty hours, may, maybe three, four hacking sessions on a target without finding a bug. If I if I think this is a high value target, but I guess I, I will say I do typically go for the programs with the higher payouts, though. Yep. So yep. that's really impressive to me that you're able to find bugs that yeah. you know in that three hours. And Joel, yeah. I mean, do you? I mean, where where do you lie in that? In that, I'm I'm curious. Well, I was I was gonna ask two questions about that. So uh-huh. for, for me, I'm like kind of in the middle on that, where I'll spend a decent amount of time hacking, and I try to identify attack surface and decide sort of as I'm going, whether or not this attack surface is something that I want to spend a ton of time on. Mm-hmm. Because if it's something that seems small, like, I don't know. If I'm, seeing, if I'm hacking on something and it's just one GraphQL API endpoint, and it's not a particularly large GraphQL, and I start poking at it and I don't see any real red flags, yeah, I'm sure there's probably some bugs hidden in there. But I'm not sure how much more time I'm going to go spend on that program if I see mm. that they have systemic security measures that aren't, like, yeah, they... They, I'm sure there are again areas where it's not, you know, perfectly airtight. But that is not necessarily like if I want to make a you know farm a program or something like, and I see something that's secured, I'm not going to spend a bunch more time on that because I want to make some money. I want to optimize my time there. Yeah. I was curious if you spend, you know, whatever your time limit on a program, and then you find nothing and you hit your no bug limit, what comes next? You you know, say you've been hacking for. You know, you just started. You spent three hours. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've been going for three hours. You found nothing. You just hit your no bug limit. What do you do for the rest of the day? Do you just stop hacking, or what? What do you have like a backup plan? Uh, you, yeah, I mean, usually if if it's in one day, usually I'll stop. I'm I I rare outside of the context of a little event where I'm you know basically treating bug bounty as a full time job. Um, I'll I'll stop for the day. I can't I can't hack for more than three hours in in one day. Um, unless I happen to start like in the morning and then I have some time like seven hours later in the evening um mm, i'm not gonna making a face like i can't hack for less than three hours are you, are you freaking <laughs> kidding me right now dude like yeah, yeah. you telling me that you never 
you very rarely hack for longer than three hour contiguous periods. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty. Oh my god! I get, How I get so even... tired. Oh my god! <laughs> my, my eyes hurt, man. Dude, this guy's a beast. This that's guy is crazy. an absolute beast. I, I, I like... could never. I would never find anything. Oh, so okay. the other oh. thing I wanted to ask was. Like you mentioned that, except for like for live hacking events, like you normally have like a no bug limit, and then you stop hacking or move on or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, what does that look like for a live hacking event in terms of success rate? Do you find that it's better to spend the time and just keep pushing on that target, even if you pass your no bug limit, or uh, yeah. do you find better success? Uh, so. I'll I yes, in a live vacuum event, I think that the the targets are much much deeper, um, and the payouts are much much higher than my typical three k crit programs. And so yeah, I'll, I'll spend I'll spend a lot more time. Like for example, if it's uh, um, you know, like there was an event in Austin last year, and it was um, uh, it was on it was GitHub, you know, and it took me like three hours just to get GitHub Enterprise Server set up. It's like yeah. okay, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah, easily. So, so I'm going to I'm going to spend more time in the context of a live hacking event where there's much higher payouts and much deeper, complex applications. Uh, but live hacking events are are only a you know small portion of the year, and so the rest of the year I'm just trying to maximize my time, like you were talking about, Joel, and just kind of mm. churn through churn through programs and uh, and find the find the best. Uh, time for money uh uh balance wow yeah. that's that's really cool i i definitely have not done very much program churning and i've got like you know 500 freaking invites <laughs> sitting there that i i need to you know that i've never even looked at so i feel like maybe i mm -hmm. should should go through and just you know hit them real fast maybe even bring it down to like you know well actually i mean you got it you said 30 minutes even for the first initial assessment so maybe i'll mm -hmm. i'll hit them 30 minutes 30 minutes 30 minutes 30 minutes and see if they've got some interesting features and especially when you know you've got those programs that are like like 5k crits you know or like mm. you know 6k or 7k you know those are not your big you know 40k crits or or whatever from some of these other programs but but they still like are pretty good you know and so i think there's definitely some some you know uh, really good monetary opportunity for those programs especially for someone like me who's a full-time full-time hunter um right, yeah. Okay, so let's go back to the tweet. Uh, next one that I wanted to talk about, and this kind of ties in, was the match and replace rules. Uh, you say, quote, 13, use match and replace rules to find new endpoints. Now, I use match and replace rules for lots of things. I think a lot of the top hackers do. Um, and I'm wondering how, I, I'm interested by the fact that you said to find new endpoints. So could you tell me exactly how that works for you? Sure, yeah. So I am kind of a dummy and don't know how to use <laughs> to find new endpoints. Like I don't I don't know how that works. And so so to fix, I have to have the application find endpoints for me. And so I'll notice in the responses to a lot of requests, usually like when I load a like the application initially, it will like the like it'll say like get user slash user user info and it'll be like is admin false in the in like the json response so i'm like okay something on the javascript side because i don't understand javascript at all mm -hmm. is using that that uh response body to populate the populate the page and so i'll just you know make a match and replace rule that's like is admin true i think there was like one application a while back that had like 
like 15 different Boolean oh, yeah. different roles. Um, and I was like, just like added them all. Like is, is blank true? Is blank true? Is blank true? Mm-hmm. Um, and it made the, you know, the UI a disgusting mess, but it gave me access to different parts of, of the application that I would be able to find if I knew how to actually read JavaScript. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I do. Wow. Dude, that, that was my follow-up question. Cause I wanted to know, like, do that end, do are do are you doing like a lot of static analysis and that kind of stuff to also find the endpoints? Cause I like that approach that you mentioned. That's like, why would I find the endpoints when I could let the application find the endpoints? And I think that is definitely the case a lot of the time with JavaScript where oftentimes the bundles for other pages mm-hmm. or hidden, hidden stuff that you wouldn't normally be seeing, or you might not know is there is still getting pulled down by the client. And you Lazy can see a lot of that. If you, yeah. if you, you know, dive into it and take a little bit of a closer look, but it's, it sounds like you're pretty much just like, you know, it's let the just, application actually yeah. show me it. He's just raw dog in the match and replace right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure I would, uh, I'm sure I'll find more bugs when I eventually get around to learning how to, how to hack, but, um, yeah, <laughs> so that, that, that's cool though. And I think for any, any of, any of the people out there that are listening that don't know how to you know, assess JavaScript files, you know. Uh, Douglas is at every live hacking event and he does great and he's very much a valued member of this community and so he's up at the top and he has got there even without knowing how to find endpoints in JavaScript files which for to me to be honest is like kind of crazy like that is such a core part of my methodology and also something that I teach at a very early stage to new hackers Um, so the fact that you've done this well without ever doing that is like, there's some sort of secret sauce in yeah. there that I need, you know, and maybe it's just the match and replace, but either way, it's it's very impressive, man. Um, yep, I'm like, yeah. I'm like a bow hunter who who knows that I could, you know, hunt further with a with a rifle, but I just uh, never, <laughs> never, never learned how to use one. <laughs> That's nice. awesome. Um, so one of the ones you mentioned, we'll go a little bit out of order here, but the number 76 says that if the app uses intercom, which, intercom is like the little support bubble like chat chat with us thing in the bottom right right um then you say try booting it with another email what does that mean what is that is that like for account confusion stuff yeah yeah so so intercom is really interesting in that there is there's a concept called identity verification uh, and they even write an entire article on how to do it but the thing is that intercom widgets are typically set up by sales teams and they might not be the most technical and or they might just be lazy. And so, so what happens often is I say maybe like 20% of the time, you just see the intercom widget. And what you can do is just open up your your console in the browser and just type like intercom, uh, open paren, boot, and then email and then give it some other email and then enter. And it will basically start up the intercom widget as if you were logged in as um as the user with that email. So the, I'll usually try like email test at test.com. And usually there's been some salesperson that's registered on the application with test at test.com. And you'll be able to mm. see their, see their, um, their chats that they've had. Um, in fact, it's wow. super interesting. Yeah. So I, I wrote a blog about this. Um, and there was a, uh, because there was a hacker one, there's a third party hacker one vendor that, um, uh, that did just this. And basically as a result, I was able to, uh, view like social security information of any oh hacker because, wow. because I could, I could log into any other hackers, uh, account on this third party 
using the intercom widget. And then their password reset functionality was just like resetting it to, I think, like winter 22 bang or something. What? Yeah. So they, wow. g- they give you like a hard coded temp password and no. just be like, hey, I'm Reinerator. Um, I want to know where he lives. I want to know his you know, his social security number. And then you'd be like, okay, no. here's your new password. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I missed somehow. I thought I went through all of the things on your blog, but I somehow I missed this dude. And I'm looking at it right now. This is from 2021. Um, November 3rd is when he released it. Yeah. And this is hilarious. You've got, you're like, it, it, it literally says they respond back and say use the temporary password summer at one two three oh, yeah, like, cool. no <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah wow was, yeah yeah which by the way your blog is is awesome dday.us yeah. Yeah. um yeah there's so many we'll really uh really cool blog posts there yep. yeah that's sure. awesome we'll definitely we'll definitely link those um that's one that I've never heard of and I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for yeah. because intercom is everywhere yep um so yeah I'm kicking myself right now because I can't even imagine how many of those I've, you know, slid straight by yep. without yeah. ever talking about it. Just, um, just earlier today, yeah. I found a, a, a random application that I was hacking on and was using intercom. They, they were, they were secure. They were using uh, identity verification, but yeah, I'd say probably like maybe 10 to 20% of the time you'll, you'll just be able to boot into someone else's chats and see their, see their chats. So I've probably made about like $10,000 with that bug over the course oh my of, gosh. Oh. over the course wow. of the last couple of years. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. crazy, man. I, I know you said that most of them were really like original tips that were like new ideas. Uh, <laughs> some of these were like definitely more like, uh, you buy it on a sign at home goods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like be thankful for failure. Okay, no, 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 dude. There's... Okay, hold up, Joel. That that one's a great one, and I, I put that on there for a reason because no, it's great, it's great. I'm just it was either that or live, laugh, love. I couldn't define. exactly live, laugh, love. No, well, you need like we need like uh, you know Home Goods Bug Bounty Edition, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, I thought this was a really good one though because I uh, this is something that I talk about all the time, which is like if you're especially if you're getting into bug bounty or you're training in bug bounty, um, you should be thankful for those 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 fails. You know, yeah. you're, you're you're getting out there, and I think this is also very similar to the other one, which is um, uh, thirty number thirty on your list, which is pin your success on whether you followed your plan, not if you found bugs, mm-hmm. right? So it, it, yeah. I think those go together really well, um, and and that. You know, even if you if you if you're saying, all right, I'm going to test these these features, this asset, and so on and so forth. If you're able to focus on that, even if you're failing, you're getting your reps in. You're you're figuring out what attack vectors don't work. You're getting your you're training your intuition for this target, yep. and you're getting closer and closer and closer to the to the next uh, to the next bug. Yep. Right? I mean, is that was that what you had in mind when you wrote these? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because like you you know you think like okay, I'm hacking on a on a on a program for during a live hacking event. Uh, I've put in the reps, I've tested, you know, X asset for five hours. Like there are other hackers that are going to also be testing that same asset for five hours and finding and finding nothing. And so you finding, you know, you spending the time and not finding anything is just getting that out of the way, just like everybody else is going to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This reminds me a lot of a a thread that you did, Justin, um, a couple months ago about, I think it was about a a Huberman Lab episode Yeah, uh, that was talking about motivation and Mm. why, like, you you shouldn't reward yourself or you shouldn't, like, uh, discipline yourself if you fail, basically, uh, even if you're holding to your plan, like, 
and you don't find anything, for example, mm -hmm. right? Bug bounty is not pay for effort, it's pay for results, yep. uh, which is something that we say a lot, like all the time. And yeah. the reality is that if you spend a bunch of time and you find nothing, don't discipline yourself and be like, oh, I'm so bad at hacking because you didn't find anything because it's not pay for effort. It's pay for results. And just because you didn't find anything doesn't mean that you're a bad hacker. Like you learned a lot from from that time, just like the time with the, the scope and looking at the target and learning new things like it's still very, very valuable. Mm. Yeah, I think this is especially true when you're when you're learning, but it, it's even it's even true when you're more experienced as well because every app is different, right? And and so all of us are just learning these apps that we're we're going yeah. into hack. Um, so I think I think that's that's some good some good sage wisdom from from uh, Bug Bounty Uncle Douglas Day here. Um, and then the next one can actually go on a, on, a, on a little poster, which is, there is no end. Enjoy the journey. Talk to me a little bit about that one. Give, give me your thoughts on that one. Yeah, so I think like it, it, it was really easy. It was really fun um, starting Bug Bounty because mm -hmm. I didn't have necessarily some end goal that I was going after. I was just yeah. like, I'm trying to figure out, figure this out. Maybe I'll eventually get to go to a live hacking event. And then I think as soon or as you submit a report or, yeah, or submit a report, <laughs> yeah. got, I got to talk about, for, about my first report on this episode. Um, but, uh, but, but no, I mean, it's, there's, there's always going to be bugs. You're always going to be hacking. There's not like, there's, there's no finish line. And so I think mm. you'll just start to get depressed if you still feel like you're, X number of bugs away from a finish line, you just kind of gotta just keep going because it, it's not gonna stop until until you do. I mean, eventually I'll get mm. to the point where I'm like, okay, I've I've done enough, and I'll and I'll hang up the keyboard and you know sit on my porch with a shotgun <laughs> on my lap. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, you know, I'm at least uh, a couple months away from that point. So nice, nice. Well, so. Go ahead, but yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because that sounds like more of the like peaceful life of <laughs> the life side of like away from keyboards. So mm, how do mm. you how do you do that balance? You mentioned that you only hack like three hours a day mm -hmm. um, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I imagine part of that is because you have a family, obviously, and there's, you know, family responsibilities and obligations and all that kind of stuff. How do you do that balance yeah. of the back and forth? Oh, goodness. This is a big question. Um, so. I remember hitting my sort of meteoric rise in bug bounty right around the time I started getting invited to lots of hacking events. I had a, getting basically on the live event train two years after starting bug bounty was, it was awesome financially, but it also created a really like weird expectation in my mind that in order for me to have a hobby it had to be income generating and dude yeah and so if like i could i felt like i couldn't justify doing any like i couldn't justify hanging out with friends because i'm like man if i i could do bug bounty and i could make you know x number of thousands of dollars or i could hang with hang out with my friends and make zero dollars so maybe it kind of shoot it feels like hanging out with my buddy is costing me you know two thousand dollars because mm -hmm. i'm not right. finding a critical tonight and good dude that's, good that's a very profound way of saying it actually like yeah. i had not ever put it into words but like i don't know why i got so addicted to to it you know and i was like man why, why am i not pursuing other hobbies and i came you know came to the same conclusion a different way but to hear yeah. you say it's costing me two thousand yeah. dollars to hang yeah, out it's with opportunity my buddy, cost yeah that's that's deep, man. 
Yeah, yeah. And so you end up just kind of like being a, a shadow version of yourself where you're not able to justify doing anything that isn't isn't productive and you kind of get like hooked on this uh on this productivity uh grind set. And yeah, I I went through a, a very long time where I was just not able to enjoy enjoy life. Um and uh yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say other than you just you have to have something that you do that's that's for fun and and try to like I try to frame it like the, it's kind of like the the engine oil to my <clears throat> my car that is myself. It's like yeah, a engine oil isn't gonna run the isn't gonna run or isn't going to get me from point A to point B. Just like hanging out with friends and playing board games isn't going to make me money, but it's also going to make sure that my car doesn't break so that I can get from point A to point B. And it's, yeah. you know, having, having a social life and having hobbies is going to make sure that I don't, you know, break down and just, uh, yeah. not, uh, and lose all motivation to, to hack. So well, the, yeah. the, the listeners here know how, how I am with analogies, but I'm going to, I'm going to take an attempt here to take this a little bit further and, oh. and you can even <laughs> just hold on. Just, just, just bear uh, with let me. him cook. Okay, let Joel. him cook. All right. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know, you said that this is the oil, right? Mm-hmm. Hanging out with friends is the oil. And then, you know, you're in the car. But the, the point of the car is to get you to the destination, right? And I think we can even we can even talk about this in, in a bigger picture, which is all of this, I guess, it, it, it it's to a destination of, you know, or you could say money in general or mm-hmm. earning in general is to this destination of creating this lifestyle that you want or this lifestyle that you need to to do your live your life mm-hmm. in and you know it could be generosity it could be you know getting the new hot tub you want to sit in it could be this or that whatever our goals are um you know those are also keeping those in line and not getting caught up in the little metrics of like all right did i make you know x tens of thousands of dollars in bugs bounty this month um yes. that's something that i found really hard to keep in my in my you know, sight over the past couple of years of doing Pug Bounty. Right. Yeah. Cause like no matter, no matter how much you enjoy the work that you're doing, you can't work just to enjoy the time that you're not working. Like mm-hmm. I think, I think like work is, is very holy. And so do having working for the sake of doing like the work itself and, you know, hacking because you enjoy it and enjoying the actual hacking process and having that be its own ends is, is really important. Otherwise, like, I mean, yeah, I really enjoy hacking, but if the only reason I'm hacking is so that I can afford a new hot tub and, and better enjoy the time that I'm not hacking, then it's like, what, what's mm. the point? Um, so I think there has yeah. to be a, a really good, uh, I guess, what am I trying to say? I think that there is work, work itself, I think is a, needs to be a, a core part of the life, right? Enjoying it. It's, it, are you talking about almost going back to your journey sort of thing here? You need to enjoy that journey along the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. It needs, it needs, it can't be just a means to an end. I think Mm. doing doing bug bounty needs to be something you enjoy. And I I think I've, I've mentored a number of people in bug bounty and it's been kind of clear that their reason for doing it, you know, they see that they see Mm. the money that I've made at a live event and they're like, Oh shoot, I really, you know, want some money to be able to do whatever. And it's like, you might be able to do that for a short while, but if you don't enjoy, if you're not like interested in insecurity and you don't like enjoy that puzzle aspect of of bug bounty, then you're just doing this for the money and it's not going to, it's not going to last and it's not going to stick. Whereas Mm. if you're doing it because you're curious and curious and you really enjoy the, 
the the process itself, then then yeah, it'll it'll uh, it'll be a lot more sustainable. Solid man. Yeah, no, that that's 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 very key, I think, for people to understand in the bug bounty scene. Um, you can't. We always say on the pod as well, and I, I I give this to advice to people that are trying to get into bug bounty. You can't be doing bug bounty just for the just for the money of it. <laughs> a lot of the time, yeah. you know, it, it, if you do there's going to be a lot of things you're going to run up against that you're not going to know how to deal with. So at the end of the day, yeah. it really, really helps um, for you. And, and I guess, let me, let me restate that you can, uh, but there, there will be difficulties that will not be there. If you, if you don't also love, if you also love bug bounty, that that's the way yeah. that it goes a lot smoother. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I see this yeah. extend also into like way more than just bug bounty. Yeah. I mean, this is true for every single industry. There are so many, flashy industries that really draw your attention in that want you to like that make people you know drop everything they're doing and go switch industries to go chase that crazy thing and like sometimes that works out but there are a lot of cases where just simply chasing it might get you some money in the short term but it's not really going to be something that you enjoy doing and if you find something that can do both of those things which bug bounty can be that beautiful intersection for Mm, a lot of us then then that's an awesome thing to do, but it's not for everybody. And like, that's why there are tons of people who do purely AppSec and no bug bounty, and also people who do tons of bug bounty and no AppSec, right? And there's like so many sides of the spectrum that it it just needs to be like something that you enjoy doing and and genuinely um, are having fun with and that like, you know, actually satisfies you. Otherwise it's just gonna turn into that that grind where you start to dread it and it's just like not fun anymore. And yeah. And I think that's where the, the hacker or not the, sorry, the hacker one, but the, the bug bounty community in general kind of comes into play because I think that bug bounty, like the bug bounty community is, uh, uh, the bug bounty community is what makes bug bounty enjoyable for me. It's not just, not just the hacking. It's hanging out with, with people that I've become friends with. Like I, mm, uh, mm. hanging out with, uh, with hackers, like, like you guys being on Twitter, being, you know, doofuses, mm. uh, response, mm. like, like I think, uh, whenever, uh, Nahal like he says, like you guys hanging out on Twitter, being doofuses. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's pretty much all we do. Got him. <laughs> well, so, so there's, there's kind of like a, a game that I play. I like to play with, uh, with pure Luke where, uh, Ben, you know, Nahomsek will like post like a Twitter or a, a new YouTube episode and he's always got some like facial expression uh in in the thumbnail. And then so like Pierre Luke and, and so me will funny. always just like you know imitate him and like post it in the Twitter thread. And I mean <laughs> all like dumb things like that to make yeah. Bug Bounty fun because you feel like you're yeah. you feel like you're in a in a tribe. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you are and it and it is a lovely experience. And there's all so much lovey dove and touchy feely feelings for the bug bounty community but here on critical thinking we talk about the technical details yep. so <laughs> let me let me let me uh let me get let me rope it back in i have a couple things before we run out of time that i want to mm-hmm. i want to pick your brain on Defo. um and so one of the things that I, uh one of those things is this whole concept of auth z testing mm-hmm. you know creating matrices and stuff like that so I've seen you go so far as to, you know, build out a little, you know, either a spreadsheet or, or, you know, write it down of how you're testing various roles and permissions and stuff like that. So could you talk a little bit about that functionality? Yeah. yeah. That, uh, that part of your methodology. So this is something that, that will like, is very slow and it's mm-hmm. not very exciting and it's not very fun, but 
in the context of a, of a live event where I need to go deep and I need to test mm -hmm. for bugs that ever that other people aren't testing for. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go so far as to take a list of the roles, um, make a make a matrix of them, like, and then each kind of like type of functionality. So I'll have like admin, uh, not quite admin, but still high level user, um, read only user, and like unauth. And then I'll have like uh, inviting users to your org, uh, the writing documents, creating reports, viewing reports, etc. And I'll have a list of like every piece of functionality, and then just kind of like go and try to try to figure out what is the what users should be able to do what and then mm. find cases where user you know a might be able to do function x even though according to the documentation they're they're not and so reading that like reading the docs like a really really good documentation will have this matrix built out for you um mm -hmm. and I, I love it when i when i encounter that and then you can kind of just go okay According to the docs, you, know, you just slap right in the report like like ammunition. You're like, according to the docs, this user shouldn't be able to do this. I can do this. There's my bug. Um, and yeah. like I, they they can't they can't say that it's not a bug. I mean, occasionally you'll yeah, feel like I, I love I love this part of Douglas. He's like, and it's in the docs, and because of that, it's definitely a bug, and you can't argue with me. It's <laughs> true. Like occasionally, occasionally you'll see someone who's like. Oh, the docs team is these are outdated docs. I mean, that's yeah. not like leave the program. Don't put it in the docs. Yeah. Documentation <laughs> issue. Mur, 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 mur. I know. Yeah. I know. But being able to like yeah. come like stacked with like ammunition so that the program can't like weasel their way out of of a mm. of a of a bounty saying it's like intended functionality. It's like no, it can't be intended functionality because it's in the docs. And yeah, I read the docs and I know you haven't. <laughs> Do you do you do you have like a specific technology that you use to document this, or do you actually physically write it down, or do you does it vary from time to time? Or uh, what? It's usually just like a, a Google spreadsheet, um, mm -hmm. like a okay. set, like a sheets Google Sheets. Joel's Joel's eyes just got. Did, did someone say Google spreadsheet? Google <laughs> go check on my custom Notion page. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, do you do you color code stuff? Do you do you just no, you know? No, you... because it, I mean, I run into I oh I run into Joel's over there dying. Yeah. Joel's like, I'm sorry, what? Not color coded? <laughs> like what? Yeah, I, I run into these situations. Just give me a link. I'll come in and fix it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a. Uh... Yeah, our back thing's interesting. It's uh, it's really helpful when you're when you really need to go deep and you need uh, mm -hmm. to find to find bugs because I mean these things can't be fixed systematically or programmatically. It's like they all these endpoints they need to be properly scoped and oftentimes, especially when new roles are added over time, um, it's mm -hmm. gonna be a real developer pain to have to yeah. try to scope every single one of these endpoints. Um, I think one of my like one of my highest paid programs is a very small like 3k crit program $500 mediums and I've submitted I think like 100 different like reports on this one program I think I've made like 60k or on this on no this program way. just like in like That's $500 nuts. Mediums. $500 bugs. Yeah. Yeah, it just uh, tons and tons and tons of them and just it's it's just going through each of these endpoints and finding uh where where this uh you know where users are be able to call endpoints that they shouldn't be able to call and it really helps yeah. that in this particular program it lets you build custom roles and so you not only is it like that you have you know like three or four given roles it's like i can make mm -hmm. a role that has this permission and this permission but not this permission mm -hmm. um, and so that's uh that's usually, usually i'm, I'm sure that gets super complicated you know once once you have 
the ability to make custom roles and stuff like that, whatever spreadsheet you're you're using gets probably crazy looking. Yep, yep, yeah. exactly. And what's what's really fun is when the the program like fixes it with like a V2 API, but doesn't turn off the V1 API. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> and then she's That's... like, hey, you can still do this by using the, the V1 API. And then, you know, ah. I'm curious if you feel like, does it ever feel like gamifying the system or like um, how often do you find that report or that programs will close, like mm -hmm. if you submit one report per endpoint yep. or something, how often will they close that all as one fix? That's, that's a good question. So kind of going back to how I, I go through, I turn through a lot of small programs. Um, one, uh, one thing, one of my strategies or methodologies is I'll put out like little canary reports or like feeler reports. Or I'll submit like two reports to a brand, so important. to a brand new program and just yep. see see how they're handled. So for example, I got invited to a a program like uh, about a month ago, um, and it was a pretty it like looked like a pretty good program, not too many too much activity, a pretty big application. Uh, went and found um, like two like decently impactful idors um, on on the app um, within my you know three hour window and. Submitted them, and uh, I'm still. Uh, I think I submitted them 28 days ago, and I'm st still waiting for the bounty. And uh, yep. yeah, I'm like, okay, so it's not a good sign. Yeah, it, was, it was easy to it was easy to find the bugs, but I'm not sure I want to wait. You know, a month to get to get to get paid. So I just kind of, you know, right. even though there's probably bugs to be to uh, to find, I'm I'm probably not going to come and swing around uh, to find more bugs there. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And and so I guess going back to the the methodology piece, there's and and we actually kind of talked about this a little bit before because there will be an episode coming out eventually. It's in our it's in our uh, emergency episode, you know, sort of backlog of like if for some reason we can't record one week, then we'll we'll send out this video. But essentially, uh, I wanted to talk about this this concept of nose in the application that you talk about in your Nahamsek talk. I loved this when I saw it. It really resounded with me. And it really, um, I think, sets up a good framework for how to identify vulnerabilities in an application. Um, so could you talk a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, so this is my this is kind of like one of my favorite things. Uh, mm -hmm. Because when I, I've taught a lot of people, or maybe like five to 10 people how to how to bug bounty hunt. And the most common reaction I get is, wait, that's a that's a bug. Because I think when people think about bug bounty hunting, they're thinking about like authentication bypasses, like being able to like log like log in as any user. They're thinking about RCEs or uh, SQL injections or squillies, as I call them. Mm. Um, oh, oh no! Oh god! You don't, you don't fit squilly? <laughs> no! Get, get off the podcast! Yeah, you so leave right now. Got this far, and then he had to say that. He had oh, to say god. squillies. Like oh squillies. Geez. Yeah. So. Uh, but no, I'll be like, I'll be finding these these bugs that are like, yeah, this this read only user can perform some action that that does a a write, um, and they'll be like, but who cares? And I'm like, but I care, and the program cares because they they specifically set this trust boundary, and we are breaching that trust boundary, and they're like. Ooh. But that's so that's a security bug, and I'm like, yeah, like if if I as a as an application don't want some user to be doing something, if I'm telling them no, you can't write, you can only read, then any any time that user can write, that's a that's a security vulnerability. And so just thinking with that mindset of where is the application 
Where, where has the application been designed and configured to not let me do something? And every single one of those is an opportunity for a bug. Um, nice. And that's kind of just how I how I approach really any application. Um, so um, yeah, yeah. That, that those those having those sort of frameworks. I think for me, my methodology has sort of. Uh, evolved over the years in a very intuitive sort of way. Like, and as I as I'm kind of coming into the content creation scene, I'm trying to figure out how do I put these into frameworks. And I love it when you get a nice, simple, clean framework like what you just described to help you identify stuff. Just open open the app, look for the nose, yep. look for the places where you should be. You know, where where the application is telling you you can't do something, look for it in the documentation, look for it in the grayed out buttons, look for it, you know, all over the place, right? Sure. And uh, and take those and and try to try to exploit those. Yep. I, I really like that, and and I think uh, I think sometimes those those sort sort of bugs can get, um, I guess, like you mentioned, they're not the the squillies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're not the RCEs, <laughs> but they do have a lot of impact uh, time sometimes, and sometimes they're just a violation of the trust boundary, and that's something that the, that the team wants to clean up. Yep. And at the end of the day, it's not our responsibility necessarily to define what threat model a company has. It's it's our responsibility to find the bugs that violate the company's threat model. Yep. Um, and so yeah. that's what we do. Yep, exactly. I think that's a really good way of like mapping out like the uh the threat model mm. uh, which is like a really difficult thing to do we've talked about this a bunch where it's super difficult both from the program side and the hacker side to from the hacker side to identify what the threat model is supposed to be and from the from the security team side to explain what how, how the security team is approaching the threat model when a bug comes in and so i think you can sort of find those hard stops essentially where like oh in the documentation it says this or in the app it does a certain thing or there are these certain limitations that are in place that tell me this is where the threat model is. This is the barrier. Yep. If you can get around this, then this is something that's hard, like hard to find. Exactly. And I like what Justin said about grayed out buttons. That's kind of another another big telltale sign, especially when you can just like right click, inspect element, and then turn, you know enable <laughs> it. And boom. Yeah, Bug. yeah. <laughs> nice. well, I love that, dude. The classic. <laughs> yeah. So, so one more thing that I wanted to talk about uh -huh. uh, before we wrap it up, uh, and that is the sort of mapping your hacking sessions blog post that you put out um, in 2021. I really like this. Once again, it's a good, it's a good framework. It's a good practice for bug bounty hunting. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how that's affected your your bug bounty hunting. Yes, yeah, so this is this is approach I, I typically go I go with after I've taken a fair bit of time off of hacking, or mm. maybe after I've just come off of a long hacking event where I'm I come off and then I'm not sure what to hack on, and that kind of that decision mm. paralysis of ah, I have so many options available. I've got like hundreds of private programs, hundreds of public programs. I don't, I don't know what to hack on. And then I, I like the cost of context switching is just so high in bug bounty. Cause you're like, it is man. You could, you could spend, you know, half an hour on, you know, program a, and then like the entire time you're hacking on program a, you're like, oh man, is my, is my time better spent over on program B? Am I just like wasting, wasting time here? I don't or know. Or target B or, yep. you know, yeah, like or scope it, item B, you know. Exactly. And then you end up just kind of like second guessing yourself. And then maybe you like, you give up too like too early and you're like, okay, I'm actually going to hack on, you know, program B or asset B. Whereas, you know, if you would have only, if you would have spent another you know, 15 minutes on, on asset A, you would have found a bug. And so mm -hmm. just creating like the, the concept of mapping your hacking is just 
creating a rule, like a predefined rule when you're in a clear space, uh, a clear mind where you're like, okay, I'm going to spend one hour hacking on GitHub and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try to mess with the, the GitHub CLI and see if I can't uh, modify issues that I, I don't have access to. Mm -hmm. um, and then after, after that one hour or two hours or whatever, whatever it is, that's, you've already given yourself permission to switch, to switch scope. And this decision, the decision's already been made for you. And so you don't have that hanging over your head the entire time you're hacking. And so really, I guess the, the essence of that methodology is just pre, is just making the decisions beforehand when you're in a, in a clear and um, not stressed out uh, state of mind. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's I love that helpful. view. I mean, that's like the best way to make failure like failure case things so that you're mm. basically ready for failure. Yep. I think a lot of people will start to to shift the goalpost over time. Um when they hit failure, they'll be like, "Okay, well, uh, let me just give it two more hours or let, let me mm -hmm. keep keep going until I find at least one thing or whatever." And that that'll just Why like are you keep looking going. At me, Joel? Wait, wait. <laughs> uh, how <did> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but like I think that's like a really common trope to fall into. And if instead, like you said, like if you set those hard deadlines and you plan ahead of time, okay, if I fail in this amount of time, then I'm I'm setting guardrails for myself so that I I don't just keep shifting the goalposts. Yep. Like I go and I do something else, and it's not just like a constant like you fail harder and harder. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you can feel good, like even if you didn't find any bugs, you can be like I executed the plan, and next uh, you know next time I'm going to set. You know, I want to map it this way, and then I'm going to execute again. And then, I mean, we've 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 done bug bounty. You know, all of us here have done bug bounty long enough that we we all know the bugs are there. There's never like it's never a case of there aren't bugs to find. There are always bugs to mm -hmm. find. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of going until you find them. Um, and if you just keep mapping your hacking session, you'll and you keep executing on the plan, then you'll have success after success after success, and then eventually the success will also include a bug. So you. I think one of your superpowers as a hacker is your consistency and your, I guess, disciplinedness, you know, with these frameworks and with these ways, ways to approach targets and these mm -hmm. rules. And, and I really like what you mentioned just a second ago when you're haven't been hacking for a little while and you've got this sort of like restart anxiety, right. Mm -hmm. um, going into it, it's very real. And you've got a plan to, you've got a, a you know, a counter plan to, to get over it. Um, I'm, I, I want to ask though, how often do you follow your own advice here? How often do you do this? Give me, give me a rough percentage of times when you actually do what you are talking about. Mm, uh, I'd say most of the time during, in, in these situations where I have scheduled my hacking, mm. if there are many, many, many times where I'll just be like in the middle of like, you know, doing some other thing that isn't hacking, and a brand new program invite will come and it's just like, boom, 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 rush, 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 rush. Sure. Um, you know, that those rules that I set don't really apply there because mm. it's about, you know, it's exciting. I've kind of like, I'm brought into it without, or I'm brought into a hacking mindset without, uh, without having time to like map my hacking. I'm just like, sure. okay, it's a brand new program. Let's give it a shot. Uh, similar, similarly with, um, with, uh, trying to think of like other situations. Um, maybe someone will like come, like someone will ping me and they'll be like, hey, you know, Douglas, can you, can you look at this? Or um, I'm in a mm -hmm. couple of Discord groups where 
we'll just all collectively decide, oh, we're going to all hack on, hack on, you know, program X. It's like, okay, I'm not going to make everyone stop so that we can, you know, schedule out and, and map our, our hacking session. We're just going to hack against it. But during the, during the moments or during the times of the week where I'm like, I'm going to hack from, you know, 8 p.m. until 10 p.m. or I'm going to hack until, you know, from Saturday morning at 9 a.m. until noon. Those like scheduled hacking hacking times are where I, I will follow my own advice. Wow. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy, man, that, that on a regular, cause like even when I have scheduled hacking time, I, I think sometimes I just sit down and I just kind of play around with stuff, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's, that's inefficient, but, um, you know, yeah, that, that's pretty impressive to hear that, that most of the times when you're actually sitting down intentionally hacking, right. Um, that you're actually getting that, that done. Yeah. That's really cool. and, and I'm not perfect, but I think a lot of it has to do with, I, I have less, like I have a family and I have less free time to hack than, than the average, like bachelor or bachelor. The average, uh, uh, no kids, full-time bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, my, my, you know, Tuesday evening from 8 PM until 10 PM and my Saturday morning from 8 AM until noon. Like those are like my hacking mm. hours. Those, you know, those like mm. six out, those are like my six hours of that week that I get to have solid hacking time. I want to be able to like capitalize and maximize on those. And, and I also know that they're coming ahead of time. So it's not, and so it's, it's, it's easier to, to be more disciplined when it's a very limited amount of time. And I know ahead of time when it's happening. Very cool, man. Very nice. Well, that, that is the, that is the summary of all of the technique related questions I have for you. Mm -hmm. Um, we are getting pretty far along in time. Joel, did you have anything else you wanted to add it before we close up? I, th I think we've exhausted everything except for Douglas's social security number from him. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which maybe we can get with an intercom book. Yeah. Like, like uh, let's just see boot intercom. Yeah. You know, no, that's great. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on the pod. It's been a pleasure having you on and, and it's, at, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a pleasure always hanging out with you at the live hacking events and being mm -hmm. part of the community together. So yeah, I appreciate you making time for it. Yeah. It's been real. Appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, as always, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to listening to the podcast. So, I did, oh, I did, have, did have one other question. I know, I know you guys don't uh, call SQLIs squillies, but you do at least call RCEs rickies, right? Oh my God. All right, that's <laughs> it. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it now. <laughs>